This is Witness Radio with Ryan Muniak, where you learn biblical evangelism from real-life encounters. Hey there! Welcome to Witness Radio. I am your evangelism teacher, showing you how to witness biblically by taking you through real-life witnessing encounters and talking with other experts in biblical evangelism. Our feedback line is 513-900-8070, and the website is witnesstalkradio.org. Don't forget to subscribe to Witness Radio on your favorite podcast app. This episode of Witness Radio is brought to you by Audible. I know you like listening to stuff because you're listening to me right now. So go to witnesstalkradio.org audible and sign up for a free audiobook and 30-day trial today. Today's guest is Mark Stengler Jr., one author of the new book, Cult Shock. It's an apologetic resource that teaches Christians how to defend their faith and evangelize Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. By age 18, Mark could effectively witness to even the most seasoned cult member. He founded Please Tell Me the Truth Ministries to equip Christians with resources for defending their faith. Visit pleasetellmethetruth.org to check out all that his ministry has to offer. Mark, thank you so much for coming on to Witness Radio. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan. It's great to be with you. So, first question first, who really wrote the book, you or your dad? <laughs> well, I think um, we actually kind of divide the book up in, in sections. We, we each kind of took a chapter uh, and then we, we checked each other's work. So that way we didn't leave any important information out, but he was an, an awesome help to it. And uh, it was really a great experience. That's wonderful. I, I noticed that it was a joint effort and I would love to be able to do that in the future with any of my children. We actually have one of my children in the studio right now. Sarah is listening in my oldest child. She's sitting over across the room and uh, you probably can't hear her because she's doesn't have a microphone in front of her. But Sarah, go ahead and shout hi. Hi. (laughs) Mark, I didn't know anything about you before you came on the show or before we got connected for you to come onto the show. And I don't know if anyone else really knows much about you either, aside from maybe Ray Comfort, one of my buddies and uh, favorite guys in the whole world. So (laughs) why don't, before we get into telling people about your book, why don't you tell us a bit about you, especially about how God saved you? Right. So currently I'm a uh, biblical studies student at Liberty University. I really enjoy studying there. And uh, so I grew up in church like many people, uh, but I was part of, uh, you could almost say the cult of churchianity, of being a nominal Christian. And it wasn't until I really realized, or rather God showed me that Jesus isn't just someone you put on the side, but he needs to be Lord of your life. At around age 16, uh, that I became born again. And from that born again experience, I really became interested in sharing my faith because it's just such awesome news. Um, and my dad had had always been evangelizing. I actually grew up doing street evangelism with my dad, even though I wasn't yet a Christian. Uh, so I had a base in how to do it. So once I actually had the Holy Spirit residing in me, I became that much more easier. And then the ministry kind of grew out of that, of all of our experiences on the streets, engaging with cults, uh, Muslims, atheists, Buddhists. And we wanted to share with others, kind of like your ministry, of how to evangelize these people. 
is that why you started the ministry? Is just because you wanted to share with people about the gospel, or was it because your dad was doing it and you wanted to join with him? Why did you start the ministry? Right. So I feel very grateful for the opportunities uh, God has given me in my evangelism endeavors uh, to to engage with all different types of religions, um, especially the cults. And we engage, my father and I, engage with the cults enough times that we could basically tell you verbatim what they say to you, what verses they'd use, and what verses as Christians we should use to defend the biblical gospel. So we wanted to equip, equip the body uh, with what verses to use and how to uh, counteract these assaults on the biblical faith. As well, uh, we get to experience many witnessing opportunities with Muslims and atheists, and Christians typically aren't too sure on how to go about sharing their faith with them. So we thought, hey, God's given us these opportunities, so we just want to share uh, with others. Very cool. And the whole knowing what they say and how to respond exactly to what they say, that's actually part of your book. And I love that because it not only is equipping you, but it encourages you to know what's going to come next. It kind of takes the pressure off. That's right. So it's it's much easier when you know that the LDS will go to a certain verse or the Jehovah's Witnesses are going to go to a certain book of the Bible and misinterpret it. So you're already prepared to refute it. And that being said, we don't just refute things just because we want to debate people. But obviously we need to, like First Peter 3.15 says, um, give an answer for the hope that lies within us. So we need to actually respond to these questions. And so when we can answer their questions, then show them verses which disprove what their organization has taught them. It really does plant um, many seeds, I believe. Very neat. So now, are you and your dad doing ministry exclusively, like full-time? You know, I wouldn't say full-time. Definitely on a weekly basis. Uh, We actually go to a large park uh, by our house, um, and that's where we get to engage with all these different religions. Um, On our website, you probably see um, these videos talking to atheists or Muslims or Jehovah's Witnesses. And so we do that every week. Um, we also go down to kind of Ray Comfort style to appear, and it will engage with people there. So I wouldn't say it's full-time ministry, but it's definitely on a consistent basis. Okay, so it's not like you guys make a living off of doing the ministry then? Right, yeah. My, my father actually is a, uh, is a, a naturopathic medical doctor, so he definitely has helped out build up that ministry to where it is now. That's amazing. I, I love to hear when people in that level of education are in ministry, you know, the doctors and professors and all that, because it shows that Christians aren't, as the atheists put it, stupid and dumb people that they right. claim we are. Yeah, that's, that's totally right. And you know what? I think in the book, and especially with, with the techniques you and I um, show the body, is you don't have to be a rocket scientist to share your faith. Um, it really comes down to preparation, having an understanding of the Bible, and of course the Holy Spirit is with us uh, to guide us in those tough conversations. Yes, absolutely. So now, you said that you are a student at Liberty University. That's supposed to be a Christian school. Do you have any opportunity to witness on the campus? You know, that's an interesting question, um, because obviously it's there are awesome born-again believers there, just some of the most loving people you'd ever meet. Um, but of course, there are those people that are stuck in churchianity, this kind of idea where I go to 
church and I go to Bible class. Uh, but you know what? My life does not reflect one uh, who has been born again and who has the Holy Spirit working powerfully in their lives. Um, so the witnessing, I think, comes more down to not so much, hey, have you ever heard about the gospel? Because they know the gospel. Um, but showing people that, hey, you know what? Your life does not reflect someone who says they follow Jesus. So I think th those are more of the witnessing encounters that would happen. Mm, okay. Being in ministry, you're doing ministry on a regular basis. What kind of hardships have you faced? Right. So the first couple of times uh, I went out by myself, did street evangelism, uh, ran into the Colts or maybe some a kind of secular person who has some tough questions. I was kind of caught like a deer in the headlights. Um, thankfully, I actually had my my dad's study Bible with me. So that saved me a couple of times. Um, but you know what? There'd be, there'd be questions that would come up or people bring up verses. For example, asking, where did Jesus uh, claim that he was God? I remember an atheist asked me that and I actually could not give him an answer. And I thought, well, this is a problem. Um, so not, first of all, not panicking, because obviously we see that God has changed our lives. So just because someone said, you know, one question we can't answer doesn't mean that our whole faith is gone. Of course not. But I think it comes down to, do I care enough to research this, to dig in deep to God's word? Because there are answers. There's not like there's any, I've never heard of any question that I just have no clue at all. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you have either, Ryan. These, there's answers to these questions. Um, it's just a matter of, do we put in the time and work to find them? Yes, definitely. And, you know, even the answer of, I don't know, is a perfectly mm -hmm. acceptable answer. Right. And just honesty, if we, if, you know, like we say, we're not here, just we're not going to evangelize people just to debate people. If we're honest with people saying, hey, you know what? I don't know. I'm sure there is an answer for that. Um, can I get your email and I can I can let you know if you're really interested, which I'm sure, you know, you and I both have had experiences like that. Yes. And actually, when I'm getting a lot of questions from atheists and whatnot, and I know they really don't want any answers. They don't really care mm -hmm. for an answer. A lot of times I'll just say, you know what? Google it because the answers are right there. If they really want the answer, they will Google it. That's right. And you know, you know that someone's not, I've had, you know, atheists, unfortunately, look up Bible contradictions right on their phone on the spot. It's like, well, obviously you're not really open to the truth if, that, if you're not doing real research. So there are instances where we have to show wisdom and say, you know what? You're not, unfortunately, you love your sin and you, you don't want to be saved. So we have to be cautious of those situations. Exactly. So what uh, what memorable stories do you have to share with us? And, you know, people hear some of the crazy things that I deal with on the street, you know, every episode. Most recently, I dealt with some guy at the abortion mill while I was open air evangelizing, and he brought out a bullhorn siren and just blared that thing in my face for an hour and a half. It was crazy. My goodness. But wow. people who are listening, they hear enough about me. What about you? What do you have to share with us? Well, I was actually in uh, New York City. We were filming a, an evangelism documentary. And um, so we asked people to, to do the interview. They don't really know exactly what's going on. And we used the good person test. So thank you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we used the good person test on them. And I asked them, uh, do you know who God sent to save us from our sins? Um, because as you know, asking questions is a good way to keep people engaged. And the guy who we were witnessing to, and by the way, this couple was from, uh, from Holland. They're both Dutch. Um, and he said, well, you want me to say Jesus, but I'm Muslim. 
And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you didn't tell me that before. Because at first we asked him, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And it was, oh, kind of a higher power, you know, karma, do enough good works. And I'm thinking, oh, well, obviously they're secular European. And then I asked them, do you know who God sent to save us? And they say, well, it's Jesus, but I'm Muslim. And so on, on camera, we had to kind of kind of switch gears and go towards the more Muslim apologetic evangelism wrote, uh, route, um, showing that Jesus, Jesus is more than a prophet. So that was pretty funny. I did not expect that to happen. Um, I've also had recently been witnessing to, to a lot of people from Eastern religions, like Buddhism, um, Hinduism, Sikhism. And uh, I took a world religions course in college and probably received the best advice ever on witnessing to these, to these religions. Um, my teacher, who's Indian, said, don't use apologetics with them. And I was like, what? And he said, uh, explain to them that Jesus is a guru or a teacher, which he is. The Bible says he's a rabbi or teacher, but he's the only teacher that you can follow. And I was thinking, well, it actually makes sense because every time I've engaged with Hindus or Buddhists and try to, you know, show them how their worldview doesn't make sense, they kind of shut down. They don't, they don't want to talk to you after that. And so I've been using this approach with them, showing that, hey, Jesus is a teacher like you believe, but we can't be following Krishna and, and Vishnu and all these different deities. He's the only teacher we can follow. And he's even more than a teacher because he rose from the dead. Um, and that's actually been really impactful and really opened up some awesome opportunities to share with people uh, from the East. Very cool. Yeah, I, I know that whenever I've dealt with the Eastern religions, it's can be kind of hard to deal with or to engage with because a lot of times you can't really pin them down on anything because their beliefs can vary widely and that makes going the apologetic route kind of hard. Right, that's exactly right. I was talking to a, uh, God gave me the opportunity to witness to a Sikh uh, guy actually this past week. And I, was, I actually said to him, I was like, you don't care, do you? that Jesus or that there's absolute truth. I was like, and he's just kind of like, no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, let me try to explain to you who Jesus is in terms you understand. Because as you know, Ryan, we're not, we want people to understand who Jesus is and we don't compromise the truth, uh, but maybe the vessel or the, the mode we kind of present him differs. So we definitely have to be, uh, understand where they're coming from so we can present Jesus in a way they can understand. Do you enjoy listening to Witness Radio? Would you like to help us continue making great content for you? Then please visit witnesstalkradio.org audible and sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible. You'll get a free audiobook of your choice and you'll be supporting this show. Need a suggestion? How about Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World by Ken Ham and Steve Ham? It doesn't cost you a dime, but it's a huge help to us and you get a free audiobook out of the deal. So go to witnesstalkradio.org audible and start your free trial today. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. You're listening to Witness Radio. One of the first things that stuck out to me when I received your book is that your book actually has a 
I'm looking for it right now. There it is. There's the book. I am right on the back cover is a endorsement from one of my favorite guys in the world, Ray Comfort. You know, the founder of Living Waters. He does the Way of the Master TV show, did the 180 movie, Atheist Delusion, all those great resources, million dollar bill tracks. Ray actually endorsed the book. He says, God bless the Stenglers for their love of the lost, their faithfulness to scripture, and their desire to equip the church with this great resource. Ray's definitely helped our ministry, so it's it's great to see him uh, recommend our book. Yeah, when, when I saw that, I immediately thought, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but he's got Ray Comfort endorsing him, so he, he, he's got to be at least somewhat okay. <laughs> right. So let me let me ask you this. How did you come to know or meet Ray Comfort and to get him to endorse your book? Right. So you actually spoke at a conference at my church. Uh, my father uh, engaged with him, and he sent him a copy of the book. We actually filmed some uh, interviews with Ray. It's, it's on our website, pleasetellmethetruth.org. Um, and so, yeah, Ray thought it was a great resource. Very thankful for him recommending it because he's definitely a big name uh, in the evangelism community. Yeah, I would say so. He, he's probably the biggest name <laughs> in evangelism, even though he's such a small guy. <laughs> <laughs> so your book, like I said earlier, it focuses mainly on Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Why didn't you spend more time on all the other cults? I think that the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are the, the biggest, uh, you could say, Christian cults. And when I say Christian, I mean in the sense that they'll tell you that they are Christians or at least masquerade as them. And when you talk to, you know, many Christians around America, they say, oh, yeah, the Mormons have knocked on my door or I've seen the Jehovah's Witnesses at a park or something, but I don't want anything to do with them or I don't know how to talk to them. They knocked on my door and I said, "Okay, I'll take your literature, but bye bye. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what to say. And so we thought, hey, uh, God's given us these opportunities. Uh, we've talked to them so much that we can basically tell you exactly what verses and techniques they're going to use. Let's write them down and equip the body so that they're prepared uh, when a cultist uh, knocks on their door, they see one on their bike, or they have a Mormon friend, or they see a Jehovah's Witness at a booth, and they can engage with them. Because first and foremost, we want them to be saved, but also we want them to stop deceiving others. And when you have cult members knocking on doors, uh, deceiving others, that's a, definitely a problem. In the book, you start out by saying that both the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons have rejected the truth of biblical Christianity. But what would they say if you were to say that to them? Right. So that definitely be very tricky because, like I said earlier, they masquerade as, as Christians. Uh, both the, well, the Mormons, we'll start with the LDS or Latter-day Saints, would say that the gospel has been lost. It was lost sometime in the past. And that their organization, through their prophets, have the re were revealed the restored gospel, so that they're actually being uh, revealed. They actually have the truth, and not Bible-believing Christians like you and me. Uh, that's why they have other holy books and extra biblical revelations, uh, extra biblical doctrines. The Jehovah's Witnesses, on the other hand, would say that they are God's representative on earth. That God has chosen them uh, to to watch over all evangelism and to uh, prophesy 
um, often falsely, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, so they would reject that notion. What we need to do as Christians is show them that the Bible has not been changed. The gospel has never been lost. And Hebrews chapter one, for example, says that God's spoken prophets uh, by prophets in the past, but he has spoken to us through his son. And we don't need any extra biblical revelation um, because the canon is closed. And that was actually going to be another question of mine is, how do you show them that their books, their extra biblical revelations are not authoritative and how, that they not only don't line up with scripture, but they should not be considered equal or above scripture? Right. So it differs a little bit between the two cults. Uh, so for Mormons, uh, what we have to do is, is first establish the fact that they use the Bible which they do, the King James Version Bible, as one of their holy books. So I would recommend the Christian ask that. Do you agree that the Bible is, is God's Word? Well, yes. Okay. And does the Bible match up with your other, with your other doctrines and holy books? And they would say yes. So what we do is we show how the Bible contradicts Mormon theology. So, for example, the Bible says there's only one true God. Mormon theology says that there are an infinite amount of gods, and we can all be, one, be a God one day. Um, so once you start showing them those contradictions, then what happens is they'll start to attack the Bible, which is kind of ironic that they use it as one of their holy books and say that it's been changed or it's been corrupted. Um, but obviously we know that the, at least the New Testament is 99% the same today as the originals. Uh, there's no doctrinal changes. And even Jesus himself said that his words will never pass away. For the Jehovah's Witnesses, they use the Bible. Uh, they don't actually have any other holy books besides what the organization might say through magazines. So in their Bible, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, they've actually changed verses which say that Jesus is Almighty God. Uh, of course, the infamous John 1.1, 1, 1, where they say the word was a God instead of God. Um, and then also Revelation 1.8, they change, so they obscure it, so it's not referring to Jesus. So what you do in those cases is you can use the King James Bible with them, because the organization used to use it, and by the way, I'm not a King James-only advocate, just to make that clear. <laughs> um, but you use the King James Bible with them because their organization used to use it and show them, hey, right here it says the word was God. And in, in Revelation 1a, it's referring to Jesus. Why does your organization change in their New World Translation these verses, which so clearly state that Jesus, Jesus is God? Or what you could also do, which we explain in the book, is uh, there are plenty of other verses which show Jesus is God, which the organization has not corrupted. So using techniques like that to show how uh, the doctrines of men contradict God's word are definitely effective. Okay. And you brought up a lot of the Trinity issues with Jehovah's... You brought up the Trinity issue with Jehovah's Witnesses. And I know that for me, that is not really an area I want to go to when discussing Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses, right. because that, that's what they are prepared to defend or prepared to attack. That's their main mm -hmm. game plan when they find a Bible-believing Christian is to attack the Trinity. So I try not to go that route. And if they bring it up, I try to go around it to other things. Like, for example, I will do Revelation 21.8 and, you know, take them through the law, say, have you ever total lie. Really, you have. Well, you know, in Revelation 21, 8, you guys say hell doesn't exist, but this says you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. So how do you right. 
how do you uh, explain that? You know, and I'll just totally sidestep the Trinity issue. Uh, right. So how would how do I explain uh, the issue of hell to them or the issue of the Trinity? Focus on the the Trinity because that's what they're mainly attacking. Or when you encounter a Jehovah's Witness, do you really go straight for the Trinity, or do you go around it and try to hit other areas as well? So typically, what we or I start with is incorporating the gospel and the person of God uh, uh, in the conversation. So, for example, if you say something like, you know, the Bible says that God loved us so much that God became a man to die and rise for us, that's going to get their attention immediately, um, because obviously they don't believe that Jesus is God incarnate. And, you know, I think that actually some of the verses we show in the book or techniques, even with the corrupted Bible that Joe's Witnesses use, um, will allow you to prove the Trinity is biblical. So I don't think you have to start right away with the Trinity. Um, but I, I like to focus definitely on the, the person of Jesus and that he is uh, divine. He is God. But I think um, I'm thinking of some powerful questions we ask them. For example, we like to ask them, uh, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Uh, anyone, any Christian cult that doesn't deny the resurrection will, will agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. So what we do from the so what we go from there is say okay you believe that Almighty God raised Jesus from the dead now I'm reading in Galatians one one that the Father raised Jesus Jesus from the dead so there's one person of the Godhead then in John two nineteen through twenty two Jesus raised himself from the dead so there's two people of the Trinity or the Godhead and then Romans eight eleven says that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead so there we have God the being God. And then three persons who make up God, who raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, and there really isn't much of a way to refute this. Uh, so I would say that when it comes up, Christians shouldn't be afraid if you know the verses. Obviously, we want to start with what we know, not what we don't know. But if you know the verses, I think it's totally fine to go for it. And your book actually says, and I quote, The Trinity is so clearly seen throughout Scripture that it can even serve as a springboard for evangelism to those skeptical of the Bible's doctrinal integrity. When you say the Bible's doctrinal integrity, what do you mean by that? And would you give us an example of how to do this, like it says, a springboard for evangelism? Right, that's a, that's a great question. So we read in the Old Testament that there's only one God. I mean, Deuteronomy 6, 4, one of the most fundamental issues of the Bible. And of course, that no one can see God at any time. Uh, even John Chapter 1, uh, verse 18 tells us that. Uh, but yet in the Bible, we have instances of people actually saying they saw God. Not a vision, but they saw God. For example, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says he saw the Lord. It doesn't say he saw a vision, he saw the Lord. Um, we read later in John that Isaiah saw Jesus. So there we have the connection of, of that God is made up of more than one person uh, from the old to new. And then we go into the New Testament. Um, obviously written by Jewish writers who were monotheistic. And we see that the Holy that of course, we have Father God, but we also have God the Son. I'm thinking of John chapter 20, 28, where Thomas refers to Jesus as God with a capital G. Uh, and also Acts chapter 5, uh, the Holy Spirit is referred to as God. So it's quite incredible that you have different authors at different times, all saying there's one God, but describing God as tri-personal. So, so I don't think there's 
really not much you can argue with that, that it has divine origins because of it. That's very cool. And now another thing that you suggest in the book is that both religious groups, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, are polytheistic. Now, obviously, I can clearly see that with the Mormons, because at a minimum, they believe in three separate gods, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then you also can become God uh, if you do certain things and whatnot. But I am not understanding that when you are saying that both of them, the the Jehovah's Witnesses, are polytheistic. What do you mean? Right. So poly, meaning many, of course. Um, so the Jehovah's Witnesses have kind of, their organization has kind of backfired on themselves because they say that Jehovah, or the Father, is the only true God. Yet they change John 1.1 to say that the Word, or Jesus, is a God. So automatically you have two gods. So by definition, they'd have to be uh, polytheistic because that's more than one God that they show. They don't worship Jesus, they say they show reverence towards him. So you have more than one God in the sense you believe in. Uh, so what we try to do with them is say, hey, look, the Bible says there's only one true God. We agree with that. But according to what your organization has uh, come up with, Jesus must be a false God then, because you, like you said, you can't have many gods or more than one God, according to the Bible. Uh, similarly, you touched on it as well with the Mormons. We all, we all have the chance, if we're married in a Mormon temple, to become a God one day. Uh, actually, in fact, LDS theology teaches that there are numerous gods um, who have, there are god males and goddesses, uh, like husband and wife gods that come together to do spirit children uh, who come down to this earth to take on flesh and bones. And then if we're obedient to Mormon teachings, we can become a god one day and the cycle repeats itself. So even more so, you're absolutely right. Mormonism is probably the most polytheistic religion on the planet, which of course is dangerous in, regard, in regards to uh, biblical theology. The children of Lima, Peru face many difficulties, hunger, neglect, abuse, and most importantly, a lack of the gospel. Heart of Christ Ministry seeks to bring the gospel and to fulfill the other needs of the children. Please consider partnering with us. You can sponsor a child for just $25 a month, and there are many other ways to help. Please visit hofcm.org. You know you should read your Bible every day, but things just seem to get in the way. How would you like it if someone else did the reading for you? Bible 365 is a new podcast that reads your daily dose of scripture for you. There's no annoying chapter breaks to distract you or personal commentary to confuse you. Just listen to God's Word on Bible 365 and you'll get through the whole Bible in one year. Go to muniacfamily.com slash Bible 365 or find Bible 365 on your favorite podcast app. Now, with both of these cults, they've come out with some false prophecies. I can think, I'm more familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses than Mormons, so I can think of at least two false prophecies that they've done regarding 1914 and 1975. But why don't you share with us uh, why these organizations are false prophets and some of the false prophecies that they've claimed? That's absolutely true that the Jehovah's Witnesses have falsely prophesied. And we both know that the Old Testament says in Deuteronomy 18 that the test of whether one is a true prophet from God or not is that what they predict will come to pass. 
And so, like you said, in the case of the Watchtower, the Jehovah's Witnesses organization, uh, in 1889, they falsely prophesied Armageddon would occur in 1914. Then in 1967, they once again falsely prophesied that Jesus would return in 1975 to set up his millennial kingdom. Uh, The LDS actually haven't fared much better, considering that Joseph Smith, in his own personal diary, prophesied Jesus would return before he died. Um, We know that hasn't come to pass. And also, there was an LDS leader named uh, Heber Kimball, who prophesied in 1856 that he would become the vice president of the United States and that Brigham Young uh, would become the president. And so we actually detail these prophecies um, in chapter nine, Jesus is the final revelation. So you're absolutely right. They, they have proven themselves to be false prophets. And they actually both agree that a true prophet is one who, whose uh, predictions come to pass 100% of the time. And of course, they have failed miserably in that regard. Right. And with these, the members of these cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, what, you know, one of the things they like to do for their evangelism is they like to go door to door and witness to people that way. Mm. When a Christian is visited by JWs or Mormons coming to their door, what should we as Christians do? How should we respond? That's an excellent point, because this happens to many Christians, I believe, and and they're really caught off guard. So first and foremost is that you engage with them, but you do not let them lecture you for 30 minutes and then leave, because what's going to happen is they're going to take out their pamphlets, tell you how they're the true organization, talk about their profits or their organization, and then before you know it, you have two minutes to ask questions, and they leave. They have to get to the next appointment, or so they say. So what you want to do is ask questions from the get-go. So, for example, as soon as a Mormon brings up the fact that Joseph Smith said he saw God the Father, you ask them, well, you know, obviously with truth and grace, respectfully, well, this concerns me because the Bible says that no one has seen God the Father, only Jesus. So in light of that, how could Joseph see the Father? Uh, And so actually in our book, we we have mock conversations to help the Christian uh, go through these when they see encounters, so they're not caught off guard. But I think first and foremost is not letting them lecture you for 30 minutes, uh, then also keeping the conversation centered on the person and work of Christ. Um, and, and we don't want, honestly, we don't want them to have the impression that they have the truth. I mean, that if we love them enough, we're not going to tell them, oh, you know what, you guys have your sect of Christianity, and you have your books, That's, it's all good. We all believe in Jesus. Well, the truth is, we have to know who the real Jesus is. So, with love, with truth, with grace, we show them that the Jesus they believe in uh, does not exist, but we also introduce the biblical Jesus to them. Absolutely. And one of my foremost tactics in my mind when I'm interacting with them is not so much to win them to the Lord right then and there, because it's very hard to show them the truth right then and there, but to plant a seed of doubt in their beliefs and in their organization, because that's where they put their trust, is in their organization, not in Jesus. That's right. I think you hit the nail right on the head there, because we're not attacking them personally. We're attacking the organization. Um, I've straight up said to to these co-members, hey, you know what? Your organization does not have your best interest, and we got to be honest with them. Your organization really does not care for you. But you know who does care for you is God. And, you know, let me show you 
the truth of his gospel. So I think you're totally right. Attacking an organization because they're going to question, oh, you know what? My organization has taught me this, but it says so clearly in scripture that it's not true. Who am I trusting in? So you're right. They, they're trusting in, in men rather than God. Amen. I, I got to ask, personal question. Have you been blacklisted by either organization? Do they not, not come to your door or oh. skip your door? You know, I'm, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Uh, actually, I remember that my father and I engaged with two Mormons before, and I was driving down the street one day, and I saw one of them walking, and I pulled over, and I started talking to him, and the guy said, hey, you're the guy with your dad who, like, talked to us and showed us those verses or whatever. So he, he remembered, I guess. Um, but, yeah, the, we've had Jehovah's Witnesses that won't talk to us, too. Um, so. You know, it's it's sometimes it is tough talking to them because we have to be honest, they are on the side of darkness and we can't sugarcoat it. It doesn't mean we love them any less, but they are on the side of darkness um, and darkness doesn't mix well with light. Right. So we do have to be cautious of that when engaging with them. Mm, that is so true. Yeah. The reason I brought that up is not too long ago, I noticed there were some Jehovah's Witnesses on my street going door to door and I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to be ready for them. You know? So I, I pulled out all my apologetic books and got my Geneva Bible. Cause that's even older than the King James. And I was sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and they never came to my door. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> oh man. Cause I, I, I've dealt with them in, you know, previously as well, but uh, yeah, they, they stopped coming to my door. And then shortly after that, mm. they actually uh, sent my wife a letter in the mail inviting her to some event or whatever. And I'm like, wow, they, they, they've got me so blacklisted that they don't even want to come to my door. They don't want to talk to me. They're, they're going to try and reach my wife. Oh, my goodness. That is crazy. Yeah, they, I think once they know that you know what they're up to um, and you know their tactics, they might not engage with you. But you know what? I've had times, though, because obviously, you know, I'm sure, Ryan, you've had these experiences. Uh, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're much more patient than I have been in the past. But God's really taught me how we have to be patient with these cult members because it is frustrating. Um, and I, I mean, quite, quite honestly, I think it should make us a bit angry as Christians that people are telling others about a false Jesus. Um, but when you're calm and respectful, it makes a lo- it makes a big difference when you're you know shutting down their verses and and proving to them that the Trinity is biblical or that we're not saved by works or that Jesus is the true God. When we're calm and respectful, I think it does make a big difference. It can open those doors for 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 further evangelism. Yes, absolutely. All right, one last question before we get going here. What advice do you have for Christians in regards to reaching? these people, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, that are caught up in these cults? Right. That's a, that's a great point. I think that, first and foremost, it, we have to have a love uh, for God, uh, for people, and for God's Word. And when we're studying the Bible, uh, we, don't, we don't just read the Bible just to, just to gain head knowledge. We read the Bible to know God. And through that process, we're going, when we know God, we're going to know about Him, about His character, about how He saves us. So I think that when you have that base of understanding what the Bible says, so for example, if, if a cultist tells you that Jesus is created, the alarm should immediately go off because we know the Bible tells us that Jesus is eternal. So you already have that base understanding. 
So you don't have to be scrambling around looking for a verse or be concerned that maybe they're right because you already have, you already know where they're coming from. So I think when you have a love for God, then naturally you're going to want to love the lost and being prepared uh, through his word is key. Amen. And my advice would be to remember that these people are people. You know, they are sinners in need of a Savior, just like you once were and I once was. So don't forget that they're people, you know, because that's something that I used to struggle with whenever they would come to my door is I wanted to attack. You know, I I was out for blood, you know, initially. And I had, you know, it took me a couple of bad attempts where I finally realized, you know what? They're just like I was. I would run and not come back if I were in their shoes. I want them to come back. I want them to be reached. I don't want the, them to shut me out. So I need to remember to be to share the truth in love. That's right. And that's something that definitely God has taught me. Um, and that'd be a great a piece of advice because it does get, like we said, it gets frustrating when someone is saying that Jesus is an angel or one God out of many. I mean, that's the 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 maybe the head knowledge kind of side of us or I mean or spirit is just disturbed at that. But like you said, truth and love. Um, we don't compromise the truth ever, right. but we always speak it in love. Absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people go for more information about you, and where can they go to buy your book, Cult Shock? Yes, I would recommend uh, buying Cult Shock from our website, pleasetellmethetruth.org. Uh, my ministry is called Please Tell Me the Truth Ministries. And when you order it, when you order Cult Shock off of our website, you also get two free special reports, uh, one on atheism and one on reaching the secular. And also our website contains uh, information on how to witness to Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. We have audio tapes of real conversations that break down the conversations with them. Uh, we also have engagements with Muslim, which will help you engage with them as well. Uh, so definitely check out pleasetellmethetruth.org to pick up the book and find some more great resources. You're listening to Witness Radio. A special thanks again to Mark for coming on and telling us about his book and helping us to get equipped to share the gospel with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Go to the website, witnesstalkradio.org, and find the show notes for this episode, and you'll find a link to purchase his book, Cult Shock. But if you're looking for other resources, like maybe you want to know how to witness to Muslims or Buddhists or some other religion that isn't in cult shock, there are some other resources listed in the show notes as well for you, like World Religions and Cults from Answers in Genesis and Master Books, the whole series. Go to the show notes at witnesstalkradio.org and you will find more information. And lastly, before we get going... I just wanted to remind you of some upcoming events and outreaches Wednesdays from 10 until noon at the Planned Parenthood, or outside of the Planned Parenthood on Auburn Avenue in Cincinnati, Ohio. We are ministering out there. Typically it's me and some friends, maybe my family is out there. Please, come join us. We need all the help we can get. And if you can't join us, please pray for us. We need that too. That's most important. July 24th through the 27th is the Answers in Genesis World Religions and Cults Conference. 
I will be there on behalf of Living Waters. So if you are planning to be at that conference, which you really should go, it's going to be awesome. Come find me and say hello. I want to see you. I want to meet you. I want to shake your hand. I want to give you a hug. Come see me at the World Religions and Cults Conference in Florence, Kentucky, July 24th through the 27th. August 3rd through the 7th, I will be in New York City for Christian Collegian Network's annual Repent and Witness Evangelism Camp, or Urban Mission Trip. It's an amazing time, and I try to go every year because it's just that amazing. I don't think you can sign up anymore for this year, but you should definitely try to get on the roster for next year. It is like 12 hours every day of nonstop evangelism excitement, plus there's training from CCN leaders, and it's just an all-around great time. You will not regret going to Repent and Witness. Link in the show notes. August 11th and 12th in Florence, Kentucky, I will be at the NOAA conference put on by Generations Ministry. I'll be there on behalf of Living Waters. Come by, say hello, I want to see you. More information about that conference at the link in the show notes. August 18th and 19th, just added, the Emboldening Conference being put on by Apollo Media Ministries. It's going to be in Kentucky, but it's also going to be an online stream. So make sure you check out the link in the show notes for more information about that and to register, because I think they're giving you a free gift if you register before the deadline. I will be there on behalf of Living Waters as usual. Come by, say hello if you're in person. If you're watching the live stream, I don't know, maybe you'll see me, maybe you won't. We'll see what happens. But go to the show notes, sign up for that conference, sign up for all these conferences, all these events, and I'll see you there. Well, that does it for this episode. But before I go, I want to let you know we have another giveaway for the month of July 2017. This month, we're giving away four copies of Todd Friel's latest book, That's right, the wretch the song refers to, his newest book, Reset for Parents. We have four copies available. Sign up at the giveaway page at witnesstalkradio.org before it's too late. July 31st, 2017 is the deadline. Make sure you sign up right away. Thanks for listening to another episode of Witness Radio. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. And now it's time for you to go. That is, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. May God bless you. This show has been a production of the Muniac family. Please pray for us as we continue to minister in the tri-state area and around the globe with Christ-centered programs.